all the grace and decorum of a truck reversing without its tyres on. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, Reanimator. I'm Gav. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And just like Reanimator, we will scare you to pieces. Uh, that'd probably be true. Is that the tagline? That's the tagline, yeah. It is. But it, it would probably be true if we ever released the sound bites we record before the start of most <laughs> episodes. <laughs> Maybe one day uh, we'll release them on our Patreon page once we've got enough movie, money to uh, to cover any lawsuits. Um, <laughs> seriously, though, if you've never heard the show before, then hold on to your heads because we're about to make them roll. Essentially, we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. There's also a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans to keep you entertained including a caption contest, a quiz, some average impressions, some <coughs> below average xylophone playing, some sound effects and a whole lot of banter. So do stick around. Now this week's film on trial is the 1985 cult horror favourite, Reanimator. Is it Lovecraft or Hatecraft? Hopefully oh we're going to find out. That should have got at least a, like a sympathetic I, laugh. I'm chuckling, I, thinking, I'm chuckling I thought you were going to go with Lovecraft or Lovecraft. Right, see now that was too low bro and you know me I've got incredibly high standards but I got a big laugh <laughs> now just to say this will be a very spoilerific episode so if you haven't seen Reanimator yet you can check it out on Amazon for about three forty nine, uh, which is a complete bargain uh, so you can listen- less to make the film <laughs> <laughs> so you can listen to this episode after you've watched it or you can just trust our judgments alternatively you can fast forward to our quiz this week brought to us by the lovely Dave which will start at around uh, I don't know 40 odd minutes who knows anyway uh, before we go on our last film on trial was 19 19- uh, I was going to say 84, but that's a completely <laughs> different, different film bro. altogether. Uh, our last film on trial was 1917. <laughs> oh, come on. It's hey, it a, a real war that you're laughing at there, Austin. Uh, yeah, well, so- actually a, f- a fake depiction <laughs> of an amalgamation of other people's stories about the Great War. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And that as well. Uh, obviously, you judged the trial and you deemed that it should be placed on the hit list. Now, you've since gone away and you've watched the film. What did you think? I loved it. Um, I think it would have been a little bit shit to, to watch it at home, no. I think it needs the cinema to... Oh, you uh, reckon? Well, I, may, I, I don't know. It's hard to tell, but it was such a big uh, impact in the cinema that I feel like you'd lose a lot if you if you were to watch it at home. Unless you've got a great cinema at home with the uh, with the surround sound and whatnot. I reckon yeah. you're going to miss a lot if you don't watch it on as big a screen as possible. Yeah, but yeah I enjoyed it though. It's really good. Well, I'm, glad, I'm glad I put it on the hit list. And do you think that uh, it, it's uh, best picture material for the Oscars? Um, uh, yes, but no. <laughs> I'm not that fussed. Okay. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go as far as that. But it's great. But like, I think it won't. It'll be better for other people. Okay. All right. Uh, right. And now on to. I was gonna like make it look like we recorded this before, before the Oscars. Oscars, and then just do a prediction. Like, no, I think Parasite's gonna be winning. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was tempted to go down there, and I was like, actually, by the time I release this, it's probably <laughs> yeah. people will just be like, what are they, what are they playing? Uh, yeah. Parasite. Do you think that anyone seen that? Any better or worse than nineteen seventeen? I haven't seen it yet. None of us have. So no, I haven't uh, seen that's it. That's the end of that conversation. Well, that but was completely guy, pointless. I spoke to a guy in a coffee shop today who said it is definitely um, the best film. Well, and he that is constantly. a stellar review from yeah. some guy <laughs> in a coffee, coffee shop. <laughs> Put that on the back of the DVD. Five stars. Cal- Callum, the man who makes my coffee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah five definitely stars. Definitely worth a watch. What a cracking film. Callum from the coffee shop. Uh, right, well, thank you very much for nothing there, guys. Uh, so, on to the bulk of the show. This week's film, as mentioned before, is uh, Reanimator. Hang on. Um, <laughs> just spoke it. Spoke it right off. I can't be bothered. I was going to play uh, Rihanna <laughs> with Umbrella uh, because Joel made a funny joke before. The, the spelling of the film is Rihanna Mater. <laughs> uh, and I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't play Rihanna. Because... Not only have you ruined the joke, but you've ruined Rihanna's song. I know. <laughs> I've ruined that. Hasn't that song been in the, the, like the UK top 50 since it was released or something? Bananas. 
Probably um, not, but no, I, no. I genuinely think it has. Like, I think it's been in like it's been in the, the top fifty since it, Maybe was, it was released. From the coffee shop. Isn't, that Mr. <laughs> Isn't that Mr. Brightside? No, no, that that is also, but that, that that's much older. But I'm just thinking, if anybody listens to that rendition <laughs> I've just played of it, finally it's going to sink out of the top fifty there. Anyway, um, so this film wasn't recommended to us by anybody, but it was in fact chosen by me. Uh, so why did I choose this film? Well, I've been reading and playing a lot of Lovecraftian things recently, so I thought I'd dust off this gem. It's a horror classic, uh, which I don't think many of you had seen before, and it's my personal choice, and I wanted to do it. So there, get off my back. Leave me alone, Dave. God. Anyway, however, all of the roles have been picked at random, so in defence and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be me. I'm a little bit like David Gale's Dr. Hill. Very tall, with an angular face, and I steal a lot of my best material. I was going to say that you often lose your head. <laughs> yeah, that is also very true as well. Stop bullying me. Uh, <laughs> and acting as prosecution in trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be... Ozzy and Joel. Sorry, we've changed the roles around recently and I haven't changed my uh, writing. Anyway, Ozzy is a bit like Bruce Abbott's Dan, uh, Dan Kane, full of brilliant potential, but completely corrupted by his friends. <laughs> <laughs> and Joel is just like the security guards. He spends more time sitting off and taking long breaks than he does working. <laughs> Fun fact, uh, I read some trivia about this film afterwards. What are you going to say about Joel? <laughs> well, it might, it might link in with Joel. And uh, the, uh, on the DVD commentary, the director, Stuart Gordon, says that when the security guard is going off, the actor wasn't going for a break he was going to masturbate <laughs> so fun, fun fact <laughs> fun fact well that's another similarity to Joel working from home <laughs> but how, how does he know he was going to masturbate <laughs> I don't know maybe he tried to use the bathroom after him I don't know uh, we'll have to ask Stuart Gordon Stuart if you're listening uh, please let us know how did you know that the actor was masturbating during his breaks <laughs> does he mean does he mean the character because the character's holding a porn mag isn't he oh true yeah probably does mean the character <laughs> <laughs> not the actor but, but we don't know maybe the actor was very method he was he was going full like Daniel Day-Lewis he was the Jared Leto his day yeah I mean like that scene it's, I think it was done in about 30 odd takes that actor was spent by the end of it now just like real court advocates we'll be making the best case for our roles these may or may not be our real opinions though so do stay tuned to the end of the episode to hear our real thoughts which means this week Dave has the most important role as he will be playing the judge and Dave is a little bit like Jeffrey Combs's Herbert West if at first he doesn't succeed he tries and tries again although he should probably just stop trying to be honest <laughs> I've just realised I wrote this before I found out that he gave up smoking yeah, cigarettes smoking, yeah. <laughs> so please don't take that advice see originally you were supposed to be defending with me and Alex was going to be the judge and I said about Alex that he was just like Robert Sampson's Dean Halsey because he's always banging his head on things. <laughs> Which is a, a joke about uh, my wedding that's just been. Uh, Alex uh, took a bit of a slip on the dance floor and he, he ended up landing on his head and he got a little bit of a bump on it. And we were hoping that he would be here today so we could all make fun of him. But he's, he's decided to stay at home. More blood on the dance floor than in this film. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, we'll, we'll be dining out on that for a year or two. It was, yeah, it was pretty gruesome. How was that rented shirt by the end of it, by the way? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah it, it's one thing that I probably didn't want to do the day after my wedding was to be cleaning the blood <laughs> of one of my best friends out of a rented shirt. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't have to pay uh, any fine afterwards, so it's all, it's all good in the end. So, Alex, if you're listening to this, you know, um, <laughs> I don't know what to say to be honest. <laughs> but you probably, probably should stop listing right now because it's going to get a lot worse. Uh, now, Dave must decide which list the film should be placed on, hit or ship, solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. So before we get started, I think we should give the listeners a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is about. So let us spin the wheel of impressions. Okay, so here we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film this week. It has landed on Dave. So <laughs> how would we like Dave to read the synopsis of the film out? Uh, uh, just like a creepy... You yeah. know, like Lovecraft voice. <laughs> yeah, like uh, West was pretty creepy, wasn't it? Yeah, so, so if you can do your best Jeffrey Coombs impression. Jeffrey Coombs, how does he sound? Give me, give me a hint. Um, uh, 
I've no of, idea. So he's American. Yeah, he's a, a kind of creepy. Snack. So like a, a creepy American. A creepy like American. Paul Rubens. <laughs> that's just, that's the second time he's come up this evening. <laughs> um, okay, that's what, that's what the uh, theatre attendant said as well. <laughs> <laughs> Might want to edit that, but <laughs> it's all in. It's staying in now. After an odd medical new medical student arrives on campus, a dedicated local and his girlfriend become involved in bizarre experiments centering around the reanimation of dead tissue. That's very good. As, as usual. That was pretty creepy. Yeah, well done. <laughs> Thank you. I, That's I was pretty good, that man. I was going for creepy. That was pretty good. I mean, you didn't have to try hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, without further hesitation, Dave, as the judge, probably shouldn't have insulted you so much. Would you like to kick off proceedings, please? <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering if there's any point now. <laughs> but okay, yeah, so reanimator. I'm not going to lie, I have seen it because I've had to jump into this judge's role because we are without Alex. Uh, so I, I have seen reanimator, but I'm going to leave that at the door. This is all to play for. I trust but your I warn impartiality. You, do not insult Jeffrey Coombs in my presence. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. Insult away. Insult away. That's what, that's what makes it fun. Uh, so who wants to get started? Who wants to tell me what's good or bad about this film? Uh, prosecution, do you want to go first? Uh, you know, go on, Joel. You, you can start with it if you want. <laughs> um, uh, I wasn't expecting to start, to be honest. I'm almost off guard a little bit. Um, but what I will say is, Dave, is that the film is terrible. Um, and I'll tell you why. Because it looks like it's been made by... Um, if you imagine how drunk Alex was when he slipped over and banged his head, if you imagine Alex then going to make a film, that's pretty much how this film has, t- has turned out. Wow. So, um, I mean, uh, it's, it's very, very difficult, I think, to actually put into words what this film is about. So I'll probably let Gab kind so, of explain the plot. Do you know what? Do you know what? I thought the second I turned this on, mm-hmm. Gab picked this. <laughs> that's what sums this film up completely for me this is everything Gav loves about a film <clears throat> it's got pretty poor acting pretty poorly shot uh-huh. it's over long and it's not that long a film <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it's got and it's got gory um, like special effects like real effects yeah. um, it's, it's Gav it's, I mean, it's the this 80s sounds, it's, this Gav's, brilliant. it's Gav's yeah. horror wet dream like Straight up, it, it's a, it's not a necessarily lines. sounding bad at this point. <laughs> to be honest, that's another great quote for the back of the DVD. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit like poultry guys, but without the uh, poultry. <laughs> More guys, less yeah. poultry. Yeah. So well, there we go. Yeah. So basically, it's it's obviously about a guy who develops a serum to bring people back to life. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, uh, when I say obviously, it's very obvious that you know when he injects people with the serum, it, it comes with side effects. It's not just like they come back to life. If you think of um, you know, kind of like Stephen King, cemetery, yeah. Stephen King, Pet Cemetery, that type of thing. Um, another great film. <laughs> yeah, another great film, also picked by Gab. So the, <laughs> I have seen reanimated, so they're like lurching around, really violent, yeah, completely like, incoherent. Yeah, I will like, yeah. to like say. Brucey at Gab's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a good job he's missed this one. Isn't he? oh. um, now I will say that uh, that you know there aren't intended side effects. It's not reanimated them to be angry, drunken no, Brucey's. <laughs> <laughs> I just said it was obvious that that would happen. Like the thing is, is he's trying to just reanimate them. He's trying to bring them back to life. He's trying to find out what actually happens after you die and, you know, seeing how long it can take for, you know, somebody who's been dead for, you know, X amount of days, weeks, months, whatever, seeing if they, he can then bring them back to life with all the same uh, capabilities and faculties as they had before they died. But obviously... You know, he's a scientist, there's a lot of experimenting, and we know that experiments often don't work on their first attempt, <laughs> or 40th attempt. <laughs> now, like the thing about this film is, personally, I think this is like the godfather of Lovecraft's adaptations. <laughs> it's Evil Dead meets Frankenstein, it's horror, it's sci-fi, it's gory, but overall, it's just really fun. You know, it, it's it just it's having an absolute laugh it's having a ball everybody that's involved in that film you can see is having a fantastic time and because they're having such a good time it just brings the whole film to life you know it's a pretty ridiculous concept in the first place but because of how much fun and how just enthusiastic and engaged all of the cast and the crew are it just makes it so much better uh, Joel was was right when he was talking about the story before uh, it starts off with Dr. Herbert West and he is a medical student and he's doing a placement in Switzerland in a hospital where he's developed this this formula this serum to reanimate dead tissue something goes wrong with his uh, his, his 
the I don't know the person who's overseeing his, his studies, <laughs> the doctor there, and he dies and he tries to bring him back to life. It doesn't work. Anyway, fast forward a couple of months later, he arrives at Arkham Campus, uh, and he is basically going to continue his experiments with the aid of a promising medical student and his girlfriend uh, but obviously there are detrimental effects uh, you know it's it's not a particularly faithful adaptation of the original novel although there's a more than enough original elements in there for you to see the similarities and you know what it's actually based on uh, it's more of a parody of frankenstein uh, really which sounds like it's shit <laughs> but it's actually it's not it's really fun uh, quite refreshing as well because the reason that Stuart Gordon um, and Brian Yuzner made this was because they had a conversation um, you know back in the 80s and they were talking with a group of friends and they were talking about all the um, vampire uh, films that had been made and just saying like how, how it had been done to death and how it had been so long since they'd seen a Frankenstein adaptation or retelling of like a Frankenstein and then one of them said well you know, if you read uh, this, this, um, you know, uh, reanimator or, you know, I think what I can't remember is it Herbert West reanimator is, yeah, the, is Lovecraft yeah. tale. So if you read that and then he did, and then he was like, oh, well, I need to bring this to life. <laughs> and <laughs> literally <laughs> I need to reanimate this. <laughs> and uh, honestly, it's just such a good film and I can't say enough good things about it. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait. <laughs> well, one thing that definitely put me off is uh, I think this, this film definitely appeals to what I would say a, a very, very niche audience. <laughs> Basically just Gab. Um, uh, no, but, you know, it's kind of like Halloween 3. You know, that's like a cult classic, but I watched that and I was sat there thinking, how is this even, you know, considered remotely a cult classic? Because it's just trash. Um, and I did think that watching this, but in, in different aspects. You know, I'm not somebody who loves massive amounts of gore even though some of my favourite films are extremely gory. And this has just got an extreme amount of gore. And um, when I say extreme, probably one of the goriest films I've ever seen, especially for its time. It must have been really, really shocking. Also as well, you know, I, I haven't seen a lot of Lovecraft films, but I've, you know, uh, read bits and watched bits of the literature. And I always found it like really creepy. Uh, and that's one of the kind of overwhelming things that I always took from from those stories and here like I, I just kind of felt like that whole atmosphere was ruined by the the comedy aspect and when I was watching it as well I wasn't sure how much of it was actually meant to be comedy and how much of it was meant to be you know scary it doesn't come across like that well in terms of what bits are meant to be funny and what bits are actually meant to be you know scary because it's so poorly shot you know as Gav will attest to, you know, some of these films, when they're meant to be scary, they end up being fucking hilarious because of how badly shot it is. And and that that is kind of one of the feelings I had when I was watching the film, you know, is this meant to be scary? Is this meant to be funny? Um, and it, as I say, it, it just kind of ends up being, you know, a little bit in the middle of both and left me sat there thinking, well, you know, what should I be feeling at any given time? Yeah, I just don't think it's aged well. It's, it's a, you know, it's a, we're, we're so attuned to, actual you know real fear within a film these days that that this becomes a little bit more uh yeah just a little bit more comedic <clears throat> at times so yeah and because of that it can be a little bit boring it's, easy, it's very easy to switch off uh, within it and part of that's because the script is so bad it's that it's that b-movie feel to it mm. but with a, a higher budget and positive it had a higher budget than than a B-movie, but it does feel like a horror, horror B-movie. So it's one of those where it is firmly in the horror genre, but it's not necessarily scary in any way, shape, or form. Was it at any point, or is it just because it's not aged in that well that it's not scary anymore, uh, what it could have been at one time? I, I think it could have been creepy at one time, but potentially, probably not scary. Mm. Um, well, but I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's, it, it's hard to tell what people would have felt like. Maybe not in the 80s, though. Like, it was made in 85, wasn't it? I reckon it'd be scary if it was the 50s, 60s, maybe. But the thing is, is that it's that's not its main premise. It's not like it's supposed to be an all-out scary film. It's uh, you know essentially like any sort of retelling of Frankenstein. Really, I mean, you know, when you originally read Frankenstein or saw one of the earliest film adaptations in I don't know the forties or fifties. Um, don't quote me on that. That would probably was terrifying, but every adaptation you've seen of a Frankenstein-style story hasn't really been that scary. It's all about the science behind it. And it's about the characters, isn't it? Yeah. And I will, I will disagree. I think I feel like the boy who cried wolf here. I feel like I've shown Joel so many shit films <laughs> over the past. <laughs> but now, when I show him a really good one, he can't tell. And you know, it, like I'm not going to deny that it was made on an incredibly small budget because it was. Uh, I think it was like a really, really silly 
<laughs> really silly small budget and they did a fantastic job with what they had uh, obviously you know it's not a state of the art if you know if you're watching a, a film today you're watching like you know a, a modern horror film there's a lot of money that's been put into it there's a lot of CGI there's a lot of special effects back here like it was all practical it was done on a shoestring some of it looks a bit dated now in comparison but when you look at any sort of film from the 80s that use practical effects even some of the best ones like you know the Terminator or the Thing a lot of that looks Dated, but it doesn't mean that it's not a very good film and I will argue and say that it is very funny and it's intentionally funny as well like some of the characters like what they because when you look at the actual things that they're doing you think about them in reality like bringing uh, things back to life it is a bit like outrageous isn't it you know like uh, sometimes in these films they can be played completely straight whereas this plays them a little bit for laughs so bringing stuff back you know bringing a cat back to life and the, ta the cat attacks the doctor bringing a hand back and the hand starts choking him you know it's like it, it is played for laugh that's where when I likened it to Evil Dead before that is another scary film that also has knowing comedic parts in it I think one of the biggest um, kind of thumbs up or pluses for this film is the performance of Jeffrey Coombs because he is like the best straight man when it comes to horror films he is like absolutely hilarious without trying to be hilarious you know he's, he's just very funny funny the way he responds to stuff the way he talks to um, other characters in the film his reactions to when things come back to life you know it's it, it, it's just very natural at being funny without trying too hard and I think that's one of the if you would have had any other actor playing that role they probably would have played it too serious or maybe even too comedic but Jeffrey Coombs walks like a tightrope throughout the entire film and he does a fantastic job of it I guess someone else may disagree. I would just <laughs> flip, <performances. laughs> flip that over kind of quickly and say that, like, although, like Gav says, there are funny bits and there are funny bits, I would argue that, again, it's maybe something that Gav has glazed my eyes with, but it's because, you know, he's trying so hard, but it's that bad. It's funny. Do you know what I mean? And so it's not like he's intentionally, you know, uh, got this comedic timing or anything like that that you might see in... Yeah, in, in an actual comedy, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. just, you know, it's it's that bad that you kind of chuckle along with it. Mm. And again, it comes back to that point I made before where it's like, is it intentional? Because it's never really obvious. And to me, I would say that it's not intentional and it's just a really shit film. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> I, that's just not true, honestly. Are, well, I didn't think... A lot of that, I mean, yes, it's it's based upon on, on Lovecraft, um, but... I didn't actually think it was that good a story at times. There were lots of like plot holes, lots of bits that were unexplained. So, so you get this guy um, West. Mm -hmm. He's come from Switzerland. He's been studying under Hans Gruber, um, Doctor Hans Gruber. <laughs> really? So, um, well, yeah, that's his name, and, and I can only assume it's the same guy from the Die Hard uh, <laughs> franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and explains why he was so angry. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So maybe somebody at some point did uh, perfect the reanimation sequence. I know there's a lot of sequels to this film. Mm. I, I can't think why, but uh, <laughs> but there are a lot of sequels. And um, so he comes over to to America then to continue his studies. But he didn't really need to because he gets kicked off the course almost immediately, and then he just starts doing his own little experiments in in the basement. Um, I don't know, it's just a little bit odd. There's sort of a little bit, you like, knowing uh, bits where you think, is this meant to be funny or is it meant to be scary? So, like, the guy, Dan, puts his uh, number up for a new roommate. Again, not sure entirely sure why. He's, he's got a fiancé. He's, you know, why don't why didn't she move in with him? What's the, what what's going on there? Like, why why do you need to get yourself a new flatmate? Anyway, the, his number is 666-something-something-something. Um, but, you know... And it's really, yeah, right, exactly, just completely. And then West turns up, uh, sort of unannounced and he, creepily. The entire thing is creepy. So it's very uh, stagey, you know, it, it could be a play, I think. And I think that's part of it. It's just, um, it's a very different storytelling style than, than we're used to today. It's, um, and I think it, it fills the, the B-movie style where some of those things could have been a play. It could have been a theatre show. Um, you know, it's very obvious that you've changed sets, you've changed uh, position, and and people are coming in. But it's uh, it doesn't really work as a film in in twenty twenty. Yeah, 
Okay. I think it does. <laughs> you know, the thing is, is that like oh, yeah. uh, more often Turtles than not, around there. <laughs> <laughs> no, more often than not, we're talking about like classic films from the past, and we're comparing them to modern day. You know, like oh, it just isn't scary because you know what we've been watching in horror films it has evolved considerably. You know, like I would argue the the scene where they. Um, uh, uh, reanimate one of the corpses in the morgue. So it's the first time that they sneak into the morgue and they reanimate the, the corpse, which coincidentally was uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, stunt double for like oh, all I of the he, 80s and the 90s. There was a, a scene where I thought he looked a lot like... Yeah, he was uh, the, the big, yeah, big yeah. muscular guy. Uh, I, I, and I'd argue that when they first resuscitate him, you know, him springing up and then choking them, that it is actually quite scary you know like it, going back as well like 1985 or whenever it was released being in the cinema that would get you a jump scare that and obviously like years later we're seeing some stuff in like The Conjuring or you know anything that James Wan produces which is uh, you know very tense very scary very you know shock factor which when you watch that in comparison to something like the animator, you know, it, it, it does look a little bit laughable, but it's because of the time that it was made. That doesn't mean that it's a bad film. It just meant that, you know, at the time it was brilliant. And, you know, maybe now it doesn't stand up to today's standards, but it's still great within its own right. I think that, you know, it, the the car the sorry the comedy and the horror that are in it I think that is a very hard thing to do to kind of have a horror film that's also funny as well I don't think there's been that many films that have successfully done it you look at like Shaun of the Dead but and you know Zombieland maybe but like think about you know the past twenty years how many funny horror films have you seen and this is one that you know I was laughing throughout and I imagine that you know if well I was going to say Dave if you watched it you would as well but I imagine that you know <laughs> people to watch this now they would laugh at it whether you know Joel says it's unintentional or not isn't isn't the case because I think it still is charming it's fun it's frantic and it brings a smile to your face whether that be intentional or not but most of the time it is intentional <laughs> I, I don't know I, I mean again on the <clears throat> The, the unintentional bit so maybe it is intentional but but it, it totally back back to it feeling like a B movie and not not a real but the thing is, is real... it was a B movie you know what's wrong with, with, with horror B movies you know a lot of the great uh, just... you know even if you look at like Halloween that was essentially like a B movie back in the day you know and, and this is probably made on a similar budget to Halloween you know admittedly like 10 years later um, or you know just a, a few years later or whatever but the thing is, is it's it's still the same style of film you know, it's it's a it's a B movie, but the thing is, is what is different to this than other ones is that it embraces all the comedy. It brace, you know, like Joel was mentioning the fact that it's it's very gory. It's not like watching Hostel or something like one of the Saw films where it's just like gore for gore's sake. This is stuff where you know, like it's it's falls over stuff. People are getting squirted with blood in you know very hilarious ways. People are falling over. It's just it, like it's completely over the top and it's ridiculous. But it's knowing that it's over the top and ridiculous. It's it's not playing it straight. It's playing it for laughs. Okay. Well, I would say, you know, say if you've got an average person or maybe somebody like me who's not, you know, really that into horror, but if you got an average person who hasn't seen horror, maybe put them down in front of, you know, Halloween, uh, the first one and got them to watch it. They would probably appreciate, you know, even if they're not a, fa a fan of horror, they would appreciate, uh, you know, the appeal maybe, even if they didn't enjoy the film. I think if you, then put that same person in front of a film like this, they'd probably watch it and think, what the fuck is this? You know, so I, it, again, it goes back to the kind of point that I made straight away in that it's extremely niche and maybe it does appeal to, you know, major horror fans uh, who like kind of the history of horror and seeing like its roots and how it's developed over time and things like that. But I think for the average, average person and especially those people who maybe aren't, you know, big horror fans, there's, there's absolutely nothing there. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, it felt more of a, like an homage to a lot of things because I guess it's later than all of the classic films that we've been like, where you just mentioned there, it, you know, it's later than Halloween mm -hmm. um, and other stuff like Psycho and whoever else, but... You're just reading stuff. You, yeah, you're just reading like, stuff off the wall. Like yeah. From yeah. The usual suspects. Ozzy is literally just basing his yeah, defense of arguments by things he's seen around the room. But, 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 but by that, what I mean is that when um, when you're sat there and you're watching it, you can feel it's you know it's influence in that sense. Is that like the 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 soundscape is very much a horror film. You know, it feels almost on the nose, like it, it's just 
it, it, it gave me the impression of uh, so in Nightmare Before Christmas, like of all things, um, you've you've got um, the sounds, the, the the Halloweeny vibes there. You know the tension building of the the orchestration there, and I know that was taken like as an homage to The Shining, so uh, to the Psycho. So I can only assume that this is the same, that because it just feels exactly the same as that. Um, it, but, but, it was know, the same build up. It was on like right down to you know the. Why not can't quite it be the shower homage? scene uh, sounds, but it felt a lot like that. Yeah, but, but, but you it know, can be, but it, fit, it but you can have an homage, but then you can have something that feels stale. Yeah, and I, and this to me felt like a trope, like an absolute, just stereotypical. It didn't, it didn't feel anything new. It felt like, oh, isn't this this is how horror film should sound? This is what this is the soundtrack but I'm going to. You're talking about it. the soundtrack, which was a sort of like electronic version of Psycho's soundtrack. It wasn't like like for like. Yeah, not but, the same orchestration, but yeah, it's the but, same. It felt yeah. like the same. And, notes, and the same I think that up. that worked well because you know once again we're talking about Lovecraft, we're talking about Frankenstein, we're talking about injecting something with a bit of life. You know, like kind of reviving something, if you will, like, just like reanimator itself. It's sort of taken like elements of Psycho, taking elements of Frankenstein, and all these other films that Austin's talking about here, and you know, like kind of bringing them to a, a newer audience. Well, you know, like 1985, new. You know, like reviving it a little bit and I would argue that yeah it does do something new you know because it, it meshes those things very well together and you know beforehand I don't I don't think there was that many very sort of um, clever comedy horror films the way that it blends both genres together with sort of a very dry sense of humour um, like when you look at the plot not a lot particularly happens in the plot. It's quite it's quite simple in that you know they, they as Austin said before they become roommates. Uh, then Dan um, walks in on Herbert doing an experiment on his girlfriend's recently deceased cat. Then he finds out that he's you know trying to reanimate um, humans. Then they go to the morgue. They reanimate a corpse. Uh, the corpse kills um, the dean of the university, which happens said, to be his girlfriend's dad. Yeah. <clears throat> so they reanimate him, but he's not the same. He's he's a little bit better. Um, he's not he's not angry and you know rage filled and like frothing at the mouth. Um, but he was, wasn't he? Then he had a lobotomy. Yeah, yeah, but he wasn't as bad as um, the, oh, the the actual the zombie uh, so, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger one, because when they brought him back, he was just completely angry. Whereas when they brought back full Dean, on wedding, Alex. Sort. Yeah, when, <laughs> when they brought back the Dean, he. Uh, Herbert West said stop and he recognised him so he was like I still got some uh, faculties about him because he was able to stop when I told him to and then from there you know and uh, then uh, the other doctor who works in the hospital he finds out about the experiments he wants to pass it off as his own and then Herbert West decapitates him brings him back and this is the most successful one yet because he has all of his capabilities all of his faculties all of his knowledge before he died but he tries to bring Herbert West down you know like he tries to essentially um, take the serum for himself kill Herbert and capture Dan's girlfriend as well and you know that that's not a lot of stuff to happen in like a 78 88 minute film or whatever but what makes this so um you know I catching and it keeps your interest up it's the set pieces you know we spoke before about the actual special effects in it it's just like constantly there's something new there's something new and it drives the film forwards if you take all these set pieces and all the special effects you know as joel said it, you know it might be quite boring it might be quite stale or whatever but you've got these like constant set pieces which are just constantly keeping you entertained and engaged you know it's you know whether it be reanimating the, the cat the decapitation of dr hill himself they're uh, bringing back dr hill and then you know the special effects of kind of reanimating his head and then his body coming back and then strangling herbert west in a very comedic way and then you know trying to smuggle the the body of dr hill trying to smuggle his <laughs> head his decapitated head into the morgue past the security guard whilst having a fake head attached to his shoulders you know with a surgical mask on and a hat that is a very it's a very funny scene you know like and then yeah and all of that you know it's just very very well done uh, joel mentioned before about it being incredibly gory john uh, john nordlin who is the special effects artist for this film he did a fantastic job in this and uh, the gore 
and the shock, as I said before, is just through the roof. He said that beforehand, the goriest film he had worked on had required two gallons of fake blood. And this film required 24 gallons. You know, it's just the stuff that they're doing with blood by the end of it, where people are just falling over and it's spraying all over the place to watch. It's like, it reminds me of like a Lauren Hardy sketch, you know, like people slipping on custard pies or banana peels and stuff. But the fact that is, this is like completely grotesque and it shouldn't be funny, but they're playing it for laughs and it is. It it really by that stage of the film as well. I I think it'd gone far beyond um, horror, and, and and maybe maybe that's maybe they just had to accept that you know what this is a this is no longer a scary film. We just kind of have to to ham this up and 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 it really does get uh, like almost a bit slapsticky, not slapstick, but you know it, it really is just hammed up constantly that, and. A little bit like in so so one of the arguments in 1917 was that actually for a little while you start thinking how did they do that you know that's that's a single shot how did they do that you kind of get that in here because you know it's all uh, special effects you know somebody's had to spend some time and make this and some of them are a lot worse than others so the 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 head thing yeah you know obviously that's a, a fake body with his heads. Uh, with the jackets over the sh- over the top of his head to make fake shoulders, and then he happens to be carrying them in like this baking tin. So then, when he puts the tin on the table, you know the heads poking through the table. It, but you know, and I it, mean, we can all see yeah, how it was done. Yeah, of but course. It but, mean that it wasn't done. but I think it's, for for a little period of time, it kind of takes away any semblance of the story and you start looking at that no, I disagree you know like because if it was if it was too serious then it, you'd, it, you'd take it away and be like well, what the fuck's this you know what I mean it's, it's, done, it's done too seriously they, they keep the sort of the comedy in it and that keeps you engaged if you wouldn't have that comedy if you wouldn't have you know the over the topness of it all then it, I think that you completely lose the audience I've got a quote here you ready for this one right <laughs> I think you'll like this Aussie um, the temptation is to take a camp approach to the material oh so here we go right hang on um, it's the, uh, so Reanimator is charged up by the tension between the director's desire to make a good movie and his realisation that few movies about mad scientists and dead body parts are ever likely to be very good the temptation <laughs> is to take a camp approach to the material uh, and to mock it but gordon resists that temptation and instead creates a livid bloody deadpan exercise in the theater of the undead three out of four stars who do you reckon that was dave <laughs> there's only one um, man in the world who uses a four star yeah, rating who the fuck uses a four star rating system <laughs> movie genius is that too? yeah i knew who it was yeah. don't need to point it out <laughs> Um, I want to hear a little bit more about the cast. Though. We've already gone in a bit into Jeffrey Coombs. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've got I've got a vague idea about him. You haven't, Dave. You need more. <laughs> I, okay, maybe I need more on Jeffrey Coombs. Tell me a little bit more about Jeffrey Coombs, but I also want to hear about everybody else in this film as well. Tell me what the performances are like. Jeffrey Coombs is a delight. You know, he is completely over the top, uh, but he's also very subtle as well. As I said before, you know, it's it's brilliant. His performance is just maniacal. He's intense. He's subtle. He's funny without trying or knowing that he's funny. He just gives a fantastic performance. This was one of his very first, if not his first lead role in a film. And it catapulted him into superstardom in the horror community. (laughs) (laughs) All of these little caveats about where he's a superstar. (laughs) But the thing is, is that this has set him up for a, a, you know, a life in horror now. He's appeared in so many different horror films and Lovecraft adaptations solely because of this film. You know, this guy is set when it comes to horror. And you can tell he was he was an absolute star. As I said before, any other actor trying to attempt this role, they probably would have played it like either too much for laughs or too seriously. But he is just brilliant. Wide-eyed, maniacal and hilarious. He's fantastic. I, you know what? I think he was all right, but it's... Um... I, I wouldn't say he was the main, the main guy. You know, he's, he's the main guy. He's the reanimator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's also. He didn't feel like the main. I actually felt it was stolen a little bit, like by um, Carl Hill, doc, the doctor. The doctor. Yeah, by the time you get sort of, I mean, sort of three quarters of the way through, it's really about him. Then you know, and being the bad guy and trying to be stopped. You never like you never like Jeffrey Coombs from from the offer. I didn't think he was. Well, I mean, he he like, reminded me of um, the guy from Ghostbusters, the gatekeeper. 
But you just never got past that. I just never felt like he was. Rick Moranis. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I just never. Um, but I mean, they just look at like Taxi Driver, look at Joker, even. You know, like you don't have to like a main character in a film. You don't have to be behind them and, you know, like kind of rally behind their motives and their actions. Like he does some deplorable things in this film, you know, and he is a bit of a shit. But the thing is, is that like the performance that Jeffrey Coombs delivers is brilliant. The character is, is definitely flawed. You know, like I think most of the characters in this film are a little bit um, generic, but it's the performances that really give them a lift. You know, like it's similar to what we've seen before, um, Bruce Abbott as Dan Kane. But you know, because I mean, for, for me, he's the hero yeah, of the film. Yeah, yeah. So, you, so in, in some sense, like he needs to be almost larger than life. And he he falls he falls somewhat short, particularly in the last few scenes. He just he doesn't really live up to the to the to the hero vibe. He's not a great actor. Um, I'm not saying I can do better, but he's not. <laughs> he's, it sounds he's, like that. He's not. A, he's not a great actor, particularly in those last scenes. And then that just felt that whole hubbub at the end, where it should be a real crescendo of of action, and that's a real time for all of the actors to really to really come to life and do. To, to you know, show their part. That, that that just falls short from everyone. Coombs does well. Carl uh, Hill does well. You know, there's the all of the zombie scene. It's real. There should be real terror. There should be real action going on. And then the whole him running off to go get the sacks. He just does this awful, awful job of it. And then he's get he gets quite a, a somber scene at the end. Um, where he, where it's kind of like a throwback, a full circle. So the first thing you see Dan Kanan is he's trying to save someone's life and he, he just won't give up on them. And I think that's kind of why he was so interested in the reanimator in the first exactly, place yeah. is that he wants to bring people, he's a doctor, you know, Hippocratic Oath and all that malarkey and he wants to bring him back to life. So, and he's trying, he's trying, he's trying to bring his girlfriend back to life. And it's just such an opportunity for emotion there and, and it's, it's just lacking, absolute lacking. And then, yeah, just, and, I mean, and she's not great at getting strangled to be fair. That's like, <laughs> she doesn't get that much to do, but when she's, when she's in, and there was, a, there's a scene where she goes to see her dad when her dad's in the, in the, like, what do you call that? Where they're all, when he's in this room, like padded in, room, padded yeah. cell. And, um, she goes to see him and you would have thought she'd be, she could have done one much better. It's the emotions, I think, is is what's lacking there. They haven't got a great script to play with, so they really need to to be showing, you know, facial expressions, you know, actions. You need to, I want to see it and not be told it. If you're not, if you've not got the lines in the script, then you've really got to pull it out of the bag. Mm. Uh, and I just felt it, it wasn't there for everyone. It's a bit more, like Gav said, it's a bit more deadpan um, and it really relies upon Carl, uh, the Doctor and, and 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 West to to keep you engaged. I think as well, like you know, th this kind of reeks off to me. Uh, like we've mentioned before, I don't know the budget, but they just kind of went into you know like actorsforhire.com or something like that, and just kind of randomly picked you know four or five people. <laughs> and it, it, if you if you look at the career that you know the the rest of the cast have had, it's Reanimator, Reanimator Two, and you know, maybe another Lovecraft film and it pretty much stops there. So no. I think that, that that pretty much speaks volumes about the performances. If they were any good, they'd have gone on to do other other things. Even if this is only a B movie, whatever, you know, everybody starts somewhere. And um, yeah, like I say, if they were any good, they'd have been picked up and they'd have done other things. But a lot of them, this is pretty much their, you know, jewel in their crown and that's, a sorry state of affairs really for any for any actor how terrible honestly right like firstly i'd like to say ozzy's a bit about um the hero being boring uh right you know it's it's it, it doesn't need to be be the case that like the hero needs to be center stage and needs to be you know the funniest one and the best one and whatever just look at like beetlejuice you know alec baldwin and gina davis characters they were quite deadpan they were quite restricted and small in comparison to the real star of the show beetlejuice played by michael keaton yeah right, and this is quite similar you know like the you've got the central love story between dan and megan and they are quite you know just normal characters you know they're, they're quite um, the, the, the smaller characters with regards to the amount that they have to do and the amount that they have to express and the real sort of star similar to Beetlejuice or the Hannibal Lecter or whatever is Jeffrey Coombs and he does a fantastic job with it uh, you said that you know, he wasn't very 
good actor. I, I would disagree. I'd say that, you know, like, he, when you were saying before that mirroring scene, it started them like in vain trying to bring somebody back to life. And, you know, his, uh, his, his colleagues are saying, you, you need to know when to quit. You need to learn when to call it a day. And you can see that he's like trying, you can see the anguish in his face that he can't bring this patient back to life and he's got to declare them dead. And then in the final scene, as Austin said before, it's completely mirrored and he's trying to resuscitate his girlfriend. And this time he's, you know, he's trying, he's trying, he's trying. And you can see in his face and like, and the he's able to express that moment where he's like, fuck, she's dead, you know? And then you can see that he's thinking, do I, do we use the serum? Do I bring it back to life? And you, you know, the way he's absolutely, he's able to express that without doing too much. I think it's really good. And John mentioned about the fact that like, you know, all these people didn't have much careers afterwards. Like they did, you know, like you mentioned Jeffrey Coombs. I he's, didn't mention Jeffrey Coombs. But Barbara Crampton has been, is like a horror icon. She's been in, in so is much Is she though? Is she? She is. She I'm is. not sure she is. She, uh, she was in Your Name. Next, which was uh, quite recent. She's also been in From Beyond. Um, uh, you'd probably consider most of these called classics as well. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, because they are. That's the thing. Uh, but, uh, but what we're getting away from here is that, that uh, the whole story is really about um, the Herbert West and also the reanimating you know and the fact is the reanimation is great and Herbert West is also great so what more do you want like, Herbert West is a horror icon within this film they created one of horror's best sort of anti-heroes or villains or characters at least you know you can mention Herbert West or reanimator to any horror fan and they're gonna you know say well they're gonna at least know who they are I'd argue that like a lot of people would probably know who they are you know this is a film that's probably going to be in your top 100 lists of like scares of gore of special effects it was very memorable, you know, like it was one of these films that is, it didn't have much fanfare when it was released, but as the years have gone on, it's become more and more popular. It's a cult favorite now. And I think it is on like a lot of horror fans, top hundred lists of like greatest horror films, probably even like top 50, maybe this, this was just a perfect blend of horror comedy and fantastic special effects all coming together on a shoestring budget to, to put something that was just, I felt unique and knew, uh, you know, it was, it was just something that hadn't been done before or some, something that hadn't been done to death, pardon the pun. And everybody involved was having such a good time and you can really tell. And because of that, it's just a really engaging watch. Okay. Thank you very much. Has anyone got anything to add? Otherwise, I'm going to call it's, it a day there. It's like oh, the Super Mario Brothers of Horror Day. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus. Uh, if anything, I would say it was like the He-Man of horror films. Uh, you know, Masters of the Universe. Because um, at least you've got the humans. on the shit list. <laughs> yeah, careful, Gav. Careful. I'm going to uh, call it a day there, I think. Uh, yeah, okay, I've heard enough. What so, happens next? Uh, I've also well, heard enough. <laughs> Joe, Joe Chris, Dave. We're going to have a quiz, which oh, yeah. has supposedly been written by you. Yes, it has. It has. Uh, yeah, uh, I've done this All quiz. All I'm going to say is look at this picture. Yeah, the reanimator. I see. It's on your coaster. I know. Look, look at my novelty coaster. Look him in the eye. <laughs> and you think about that before you make your judgments. I'd, I'd rather not look Jeffrey Coombs in the eye, to be honest with you. Okay, so yeah, I drew up this quiz. Um... It's uh, in honor of Lovecraft. So it's basically on H.P. Uh, Lovecraft novels that have been adapted into film uh, in a quiz I'm going to call and they all lived happily ever after. <laughs> oh, no, wait, no, they're all insane or dead. So uh, <laughs> I originally had this plan. Basically, the format of the quiz, you're each going to get three questions. One of them is going to be a trivia question. One of them is going to be a true or false. And one of them is going to be a multiple choice. Now, Alex isn't here but I don't want to waste his questions, so I'm just going to divvy his three up between them okay, as well. Okay. So who would like to go first? I'm going to nominate Gav. Okay. Uh, nominate Gav? Yeah, yeah, I'll go first. Gav goes first. Okay, Gav, which 1994 horror film pays a very unsubtle homage to Lovecraft? The film explores themes of insanity through the eyes of an the author. of badness. And each of his book titles each allude to a different Lovecraft, Lovecraft story, as does the title. It is In the Mouth of Madness. Of course. 1994. Come on, guys. <laughs> uh, two, true or false. H.P. Lovecraft invented the word Necromonicon, the name given to the hell-raising book in the Evil Dead films. True. That is also true. Oh. And multiple choice. In the 2018 animated film Howard Lovecraft and the Kingdom of Madness, who voices Randolph Lovecraft, uncle of the protagonist H.P. Lovecraft? Is it A, Mark Hamill, B, Christopher Plummer, 
or C, horror legend Jeffrey Coombs? You see, see horror legend Jeffrey Coombs? It is horror legend Jeffrey Coombs. Well done, Gav. I felt like that was too much of a clue, Dave. <laughs> and I'm going to give you Alex's true or false question. Uh, the 2001 Spanish horror film Dagon is based on the Lovecraft short story, Dagon. True. It's false. It's actually based on the Lovecraft short story, Shadow Over Innsmouth. Oh. Although he did write one called Dagon. It's just Jesus. Uh, who wants to go next? I'll, I'll go next. Yeah, Ozzy's up next. Okay, uh, which horror legend stars in the 1965 film Die Monster Die? An adaptation? <laughs> no, no, 1965. No, an adaptation of Lovecraft story of the Color from Outer Space. Oh, the guy. Uh, the, my clue is: think of one of the most favorite, famous reanimations of a corpse in cinema. Frankenstein. Yeah, uh-huh. you're on it. Is it Frankenstein? Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I don't know his name. No, anyone? Um. But, but was he in the film that it we is. reviewed just recently and he's like... A oh, uh, uh, Boris Karloff. It is Boris Karloff. Oh, Frank, I should have... Frank I actually monster. totally could have got that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is Boris Karloff. Damn it. Uh, true or false, Arkham Asylum from Batman is named after a fictional town in Lovecraft stories. Uh, I'm going to say true. It is true. Arkham, whatever his face is, where this yep. hospital is, isn't it, in this Absolutely film? Absolutely right. Yeah. And question number three, who stars as Crawford Tillingast in the 1986 adaptation of Lovecraft's From Beyond? Is it A, Harrison Ford, B, Dustin Hoffman, or C, horror legend Jeffrey Coombs? (laughs) (laughs) Horror legend Jeffrey Coombs. It is horror legend Jeffrey Coombs. Well done. And uh, I will give you... From Beyond, that's another great film, that man. (laughs) That Mansions of Madness is based on Arkham, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of it is. A lot of it is. Good ball game. If anyone's listening, I'll give that a plug. And I will give you Alex's trivia question. Uh, Lovecraft's most famous creation, Cthulhu, appears in an episode of South Park. Which Canadian singer is killed by Cthulhu on Cartman's orders? Uh, um, Brian Adams. No, no. Celine Dion. No, keep, keep going for those Canadian pop Brian stars. Adams. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll give you two more Canadians. <laughs> Maybe the, the most famous Canadian singer? It's not Neil Young. No. <laughs> no, I'm all out. Justin Bieber? It is Justin Bieber. Uh, is he from Canada? Yeah. He is. I didn't know. He is. Okay. Uh, you learn something new every day. There you go. There you go. That's what I, that's what I aim to do. <laughs> and Joel, a movie adaptation of At the Mountains of Madness has long been in development hell. Studios reportedly being put off by the large budget required and the proposed R rating. Which Oscar-winning director, best known for fantasy horror himself is the writer behind the currently shelved project. Fantasy horror. Mm-hmm. Um, Oscar-winning director. Don't know. The guy who did Pants Labyrinth? Yes. I'd, yeah, I'll give you that one. Guillermo del Toro is correct. Uh, true or false, Peter Jackson's 1996 horror comedy The Frighteners is based on a short story of Lovecraft's. Uh, true. It's false, I'm afraid. Oh. oh. Okay. And... Three, who played H.P. Lovecraft in the 1993 <laughs> horror anthology film Necromonicon? Is it A, Kiefer Sutherland, B, Jeff Daniels, or C, horror legend Jeffrey Coombs? A, Kiefer Sutherland. It was horror legend Jeffrey <laughs> Coombs, John. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, I'll give you Alex's multiple choice as well. Who played private detective H. Philip Lovecraft in the 1991 fantasy film Cast a Deadly Spell? Is it A, Tremors star Fred Ward, B, Tremors star Kevin Bacon, or C, Horror legend Jeffrey Coombs. <laughs> Kevin Bacon. Nah, that's just, For that's just, sake, Joel. that's just stupid what you said. It was Fred Ward. If you would have said Fred Ward, <laughs> I would have congratulated him yeah. on seeing through my ploy. Fantastic. Well, well, done. well done, guys. I good did quiz. have a tiebreaker, but I've not, I've not been keeping track. Oh, my tiebreaker was how many HP Lovecraft adaptations has Jeffrey Coombs appeared in, excluding Ooh. reanimator sequels? Uh, Seven. I'm going to go with 13. Yeah, I was going to say, I reckon it's going to be high. I'll say 12. I'm going to give it to Austin. He's played in eight. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well played, Austin. Uh, thank well you. Done. Thank you. Good quiz. Well done. Thank you. Uh, now it's back to you. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's me again, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, I'm forgetting. Look him uh, in was, the eye. I was just sitting there with a... I was just feeling really yeah. good about yourself. Yeah, I was like, that's a good quiz, Dave. Uh, yeah, okay. Dr. Hill's decapitated head in the eye. I'd rather not, Gav, to be honest with you. Put your reanimated coaster away. Okay, so yeah, I've been given a lot to think about on this one. Um... 
And I can accept the Reanimator isn't a great film. <laughs> You've made a good case for you know the the special effects are a bit jug. They are very dated now. But this was in 1985, and special effects weren't great. This did not have a budget. Although there was CGI out there at the time, it was a bit ropey at best. And they've gone with practical effects, which I actually applaud in this instance. And you know what? What would a B movie be without? these practical effects. And from what Gav was saying, they're not as bad as they could have been. Sure, they don't look now up to today's standards, but for the time, and even looking back, you know, the Uncanny Valley does you a lot of favours a lot of the time, and, you know, these effects might not be too bad. Performances, I can believe Ozzy and Joel in that most of the performances aren't bad, aren't so good, sorry. But I also believe what Gav's saying when he says it hinges on one. Horror legend Jeffrey Coombs, <laughs> who apparently doesn't do too bad of a job, and there wasn't really much uh, many knives going into Jeffrey Coombs on this one. I don't think it was a bad performance, and it's on him that this film hinges. And in true, it, there were a lot of sequels starring him. I'm pretty sure he's in all of them. Um, and again, so this character really has entered the kind of cult mythos of of Lovecraft. You know, H, uh, Jeffrey Coombs has made this Lovecraft character his own, and it clearly is a cult icon because these films have being released they keep selling someone keeps turning it can't just all be Gav <laughs> someone keeps going to see these reanimated sequels so I can believe when Gav says that you know if you said this to a, a fan of horror then yeah they, they could enjoy this they, they, they'd know who you mean they know who uh, Herbert West is and I also believe that although Joel's right, I don't think this film does have mass appeal. I think most people, if they sat down to watch Reanimator, possibly wouldn't enjoy it. But just because it's niche doesn't mean it's bad. You know, we've all said this is a cult film. And I think a cult is where it lies. And I think as long as the people who it's aimed at, the people who do go and sit down and watch this film, enjoy it, then I think it's achieved what it meant to do. And for that reason, I'm going to give this one a gav. And Reanimator's going on the hit list. Uh, very Dave well uh, summed up there, I think, Dave. Thanks, thank you. Very good job there. Thank you. Yeah, you know, and after after that summation, I'd probably settle with it going on there as well, actually. <laughs> Even if you didn't agree on it. Yeah, yeah. Didn't, uh, doesn't he die at the end of it, though? At the yeah. end of Rainy I'm Herbert West? No, no, no. <coughs> yeah, well, if you watched the sequel, right? <laughs> would you recommend Spo- you watch the spoiler? I, I would recommend, I'd say uh, it was a very good sequel. Uh, I don't think Beyond Reanimator is that... Good. I think it was what about Reanimator Academy. Yeah, <laughs> or Reanimator the University Years. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't there a Bride of Reanimator as well? well that was the sequel. That was that was number two. Number was two it? was Bride of Reanimator, which I thought was very good. Is that uh, not going to be Beyond years, Reanimator? Was called Beyond Reanimator because they ran out of Reanimator um, stories to, to work. Oh with. yeah, Lovecraft only did four. Yeah, didn't they? So, so, and they yeah. did one and two for Reanimator and then three and four became the sequel yeah, and then yeah. they ran out of original exactly. material. Oh, so is Bride of Reanimator not his girlfriend? Yeah, Bri- Bride of Reanimator's um, H.P. Lovecraft's work but Beyond Reanimator, which is the third film, is completely new and original. Oh, okay. It's where he's uh, he's in prison. That's uh, Game of Thrones season nine. Stuart yeah. <laughs> 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 Gordon was talking about creating a, um, a another film for ages and it was going to be based on... Um, it, it was, I think it was called uh, House of Reanimator and it was De- Jeffrey West Jeffrey West Je- <laughs> <laughs> Herbert West Herbert West gets a call from the White House and the president's died and he needs to reanimate him the president was going to be played by George Wendt as in uh, you know Norm from Cheers and the vice president was going to be William H. Macy who was like scheming and, and maybe it caused the death and obviously they reanimate the president and uh, calamity ensues <laughs> <laughs> but then in the quote of, uh, you know, in the words of Stuart Gordon, he said, after the Bush administration, <laughs> you felt like you didn't have to do a parody. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, genuine opinions, uh, Austin? I thought it was entertaining. I, I, I wouldn't like to watch it again. I'd probably watch it on one of the lads' holidays or one of the other films like that. Just when you're pissed off seemed... and you can't see. Yeah, because that seems to be the sort of thing we do. And I think that fits, fits that territory quite well. It was It was entertaining enough to be enjoyable um, but yeah I probably wouldn't want to watch it on my own again okay Joel uh, yeah I kind of mostly agree with Ozzy although one thing that I would like to just add is I would kind of like to see it almost not remade but like you know like a modern adaptation with maybe less comedy you know because I, I just kind of I, I like I said in that kind of argument then I think the whole kind of mythos uh, behind it is like really creepy and stuff and I do feel like that a, a lot of that was lost because of the comedy. Uh, so I would like to see, you know, like maybe maybe like a modern adaptation, not like a massive big budget Hollywood thing, but, 
you know, maybe something that maybe like a, a dark horror, something like that. I don't know. But yeah, I, overall, I'm with Ozzy, you know, but I probably wouldn't watch it again. Uh, but I can understand why people love it so much. It's not like Halloween 3 where I watched it and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for a while they were talking about making it into a TV series like uh, Ash versus Evil Dead. Same sort of themes really as well, horror comedy. Um, but, you know, it's, it's been shelved for ages. Um, so anybody got any trivia? I've got a couple of anybody wants them. Uh, take so, it away, uh, Glow stick fluids was used for the serum. Um, okay, so that makes sense. For the serum. Yeah. And it's actually the first time that glow sticks have ever been used in a film. True fact. Uh, also, it's a bit of a sad one, or funny, which way you look at it. Uh, David Gale, who played uh, Carl Hill, uh, his wife divorced him shortly after the film, and it's speculated it was because of the scene where he attempts to rape Megan. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she, uh, wow. Uh, Stuart Gordon, the director, said that uh, he... he during the first screening of it, she stood up at that point and, and said, Carl, how could you? And left the theatre. Oh my goodness. And just didn't return. <laughs> Jesus. I love that. I that that's not true. I love that though. People, um, you know, just don't, don't grasp when something's real or, I know, yeah. or you know, or, or work, you know, like acting. I know. Like what's on there. Or maybe she was just looking yeah. for an excuse and yeah. <laughs> she had the perfect yeah. one. Uh, okay. So higher or lower than our previous film, on trial, which was 1917, Oof, which scored 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, With all respect, go it's got to be lower. Although, uh, yeah, it wasn't, when we were reviewed 1917, wasn't it higher? Like 90-something? Uh, no, it was 89 when it we reviewed it. So, so I, I, go on the I did do, a, you know, a, a little bit of background work on this film and I know that it has got a very high score. So. I imagine it's got a high score. I, I didn't bother looking because I know you asked the question. But Although, yeah, I'm going to go lower. Can't, if it's higher, then the world is fucking more insane it, than it I It must thought. be lower. I'm going to say higher because it's going to be loads of people like Gav. They're the only ones who've got the IMDB app. They're going to just be <laughs> 2000 it accounts each. Yeah, and yeah. Actually, it's Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Gav one, uh, Gav well, two, Gav Fuck you, one. Dave and Joel. It's higher. <laughs> uh, 93%. Oh my days. Reanimator scores higher on Rotten Tomatoes than Oscar Best Picture Contender 1970. <laughs> uh, so once again, I put up a poll on Twitter over the weekend, asked our friends and followers which list Reanimator should be placed on uh, a bit lower than the Rotten Tomatoes one only 68% of listeners decided that it should be placed on the hit list still uh, win however only 19 votes so I don't think it counts <laughs> we, we need more of a subsection anyway uh, before we adjourn the case it's time for a little caption contest uh, what we do here is I take a screenshot from the film and I put it on Twitter and ask our friends and followers to provide a funny caption with the best one winning a frog shaped chocolatey treat nearly best this one <laughs> it's the Halloween version of Freddy okay so the caption I've got here is Dr. Hill's decapitated head in a bag looking pretty fed up as you probably would be and you guys just gotta pick the funniest one or the best one out of the following uh, number one when the cocoon doesn't open in a timely manner <laughs> uh, number two check it the guy at the bowling shop made this custom ball for me <laughs> number three this isn't where I parked my car. <laughs> uh, number four, after many years of wondering what was in the box, Mills finally found out. <laughs> Reference to seven there. Uh, number five, sir, can you explain to me what this is? Uh, it says airport security guy. <laughs> um, I'm giving you head. <laughs> uh, I, I knew I should have lied at airport security and told them that I got somebody else to pack my bags. <laughs> uh, next one, childbirth. <laughs> uh, next one, Jimmy, seriously? I said start with something small, like a thumb. We literally have nothing to bargain with now. <laughs> uh, uh, next one is, the one day dad packs my lunch. <laughs> and the last one is, oi, you can't stick a dead head in there, mate. It's a bag for life. <laughs> I'm going to go with the bargaining one. <laughs> I, I like Bag for Life. <laughs> I'm going to go Bag for Life as well. You know what? I'm going to give a lot of I'm going to give there. a Fredo to those last three. Um, <laughs> the one about the uh, the bargaining, the dad pack of the lunch and, and the Bag for Life. So congratulations to Scream Queen, the James Walker Show and Autism Care and Share. You have just won yourselves some flippity Freddos. 
which I do need to start sending out again because I... <laughs> I admit that I haven't sent one on about two months. <laughs> so apologies if you've been listening to this show. It's and probably you're some poor person checking the mailbox every yeah, day, constantly. desperate for a photo. I know, yeah. The problem, like, it's Remember honest, when we used to get messages when we stopped when we didn't send photos out for a while? I know. We yeah. got a lot of abuse, actually, one <laughs> for a couple of months about not sending a photo <laughs> out we, from yeah. someone. No, yeah. no, and they said, didn't even they weren't even listen to the show. They were just a an they just avid, wanted a photo. They were just an avid competition finder. They searched. Hashtag competition. Yeah, yeah. Enter everything. And they won, like, don't get me wrong. So everyone else up your game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, uh, they, they complained yeah. for ages about that. Yeah, and then yeah. we sent one and uh, and it, the postman opened it. So they just got a blank envelope. <laughs> why, why would you just, why would you send the envelope? I don't understand. If like, if it didn't pass customs and they removed whatever yeah. was in it, don't why would you still it. send <laughs> just an empty envelope? Anyway, right. Well, uh, <laughs> Uh, moving on uh, so the next film uh, on trial hasn't been picked out of the hat at random it's instead a current film on a real life cinema like uh, the ones all those cool kids go to uh, so the film we'll be putting on trial is Birds of Prey that, <laughs> that was Joel <laughs> opening a box by the way <laughs> it sounded suspiciously like a fart <laughs> time to the right time I said Birds of Prey so that shows what he thinks of this film um uh, uh, is he going to do it again? <laughs> no. Just put the box down, Just put, just put the box Although down. Although it does sell susp- suspiciously like jeans. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So in the role of defense is going to be Joel and Dave. In the role of prosecution is going to be myself and Austin. And in the role of judge is going to be hopefully a recovered and bandaged Alex. Reanimated Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Just a head in a bag. <laughs> it's got lots of cuts on it. Now, thank you to everybody who has listened to this episode. If you like the episode, please remember to like, share and subscribe. And why not leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts or reanimate an old one star review and turn it into a five. Uh, just spread the warm love there's films on trial in as many years as possible check us out on all the social media instagram youtube and facebook and that's it we'll be in your ears next week with whatever i've just said harley quinn the birds of prey, birds of prey. whatever what, what's the name of it what, what's it called uh, the so fantabulous of emancipation of one harley quinn i think that. and reanimator uh, is a hit and we'll see you later goodbye Do 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 do.